Right, should now be live. Let's have a look. Okay, if you are coming in on Facebook, give me a hello. How are we doing? Uh, I'm just going to set up. So if you are on replay, you can probably fast forward a minute. If you're coming in live, drop a one below. Let me know you can hear me. If you're on replay, just drop a replay below. Also, let me know if you can hear me. Uh, okay. Okay, are we live? Let's have a look on Facebook. Yeah, we are now live. Hey, Sandra. Good, perfect. So just drop a one in the comments uh, if you come in. Hey, Stephanie. How are we doing? Hope we're all good. Drop a one in the comments if you can hear me. We are a few minutes early. Unlike me. We've got um, sparkling water in a wine glass tonight. Always a good one. Sort this light up. Otherwise, I'll keep going away and then coming back. So drop a one if you're coming in live in the comments. Just let me know you are in. Just drop a one in the comments. Uh, and if you are coming in uh, on replay, obviously drop a replay below just to let me know who's watched it. Hey, Michelle, how are we doing? Uh, Facebook, this is Sandra. Okay. So um, if you're coming in, give me a hello. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Sandra. Thanks, Jackie. Awesome. So just while we're waiting, just comment below. I just want you to comment below and, and ask, just answer the question of what you want to get from tonight, just so I get a better idea of kind of what you want. Hey, Debbie. So just comment below. What do you want to get from tonight? What's kind of your uh, number one thing you want to get from this? Just comment below while we're waiting for the eight o'clock. The gut is a fascinating thing. Such a fascinating thing. Hey, Eileen, just drop a one. Hey, Debbie, lots of Debbies in tonight. All good. The gut's a really fascinating thing. Like, I spend a lot of evenings getting lost in research papers and looking at this. And yeah, I actually met the guy who coined the term probiotic. And it was a bit like meeting like someone famous. I didn't know what to say to him other than, wow, you're like a hero. Anyway, down-to-earth guy, very down-to-earth guy. So, um, awesome, we shall make a start. So just um, drop a two in the comments if you can see my screen, okay? Drop a two in the comments if you can see my screen. You should be able to see my screen any second now, hopefully. He says... Uh, just drop a two in the comments if you can see my screen. Uh, tips on how to improve my gut health. Perfect. You're in the right place. Recap and info on postbiotics. I'm guessing you mean probiotics, Sandra. Or do you mean post-antibiotics? 
Either or, we got you covered. Uh, two, perfect. You can see my screen. Hey, Sue, how are we doing? Perfect, Debbie. Thank you. So, um, thank you for coming in. Hey, Sandra. So how to improve your gut health and ditch the bloating. As I said, the gut is just a real fascinating area. There's lots of rubbish out there. A hell of a lot of rubbish on what you can do, what you can't do, what probiotics say. What I'm sharing with you tonight is, is very research-driven. At the same time, even the research in this area is also very open to suggestions. One second. One sec. Okay, one second. Let me just um, come back in. There we go. Right. Um, <laughs> that was that was a, a Zoom hack. Right. It should be in in on here. Okay. Right, can you see my screen again now? Can you see my screen again now? Awesome, perfect. So, okay, so like I said, it's a complex yet simple area if we go for it. So what I'm not gonna be giving you tonight is a quick fix, it's a super quick fix, okay? So a quick fix in that we need to get away from just into the, the space of get one thing in terms of take a probiotic and that's it. I don't want you to leave tonight with that one thing because it's never going to be as simple as that, okay? There's never going to be as simple as take, take that and then, then, then we're sorted. And I'm saying this now because it's very easy to get carried away with that area when I show you some of the research. And this is why I've specifically ordered this in terms of what you can do today for free with the foods you eat rather than go down the probiotic route and all that. We will be going over that, but later on, because it can be quite exciting when you see some of the stuff. If I'm honest, this is very exciting, but that we can get into that zone of thinking, okay, if I take that, that impacts that. And I just want to say that when it comes to food and nutrition, because remember, it's not far, probiotic isn't pharmaceutical grade or anything like that. It's very difficult to really measure it. And this is an important point because when you look at, okay, when it comes to the nutrition side of things, if you're studying a drug, you know that someone isn't just taking a little bit of that drug before. Okay. They take the drug and that's your effect. There's your placebo, the person not taking the drug. When it comes to nutrition and probiotics, you've got the person's gut health, which can be different from the start. They're probiotic, they're microbiota, all the different bacteria and strains in their gut. You've also got the fact that some people might be eating more fermented foods already than normal. They might eat more vegetables in their diet, prebiotics. They might have more dairy in their diet, probiotics, etc. And this is where a lot of the, the confusion comes in. So let's get to it. So... And I say this because, but 
this is a massive topic that is more simple than a probiotic because the gut can be associated with bloating, tiredness, food allergies, intolerances. And if any of these really stick out to you, just let me know. Fatigue, poor recovery, low immunity, depression, brain fog, literally any symptomology, you can pretty much find, pretty much find an association with that. And, and that's the good thing in terms of we know that the gut is super important, but also the part where it can get a bit rainbows and unicorn and that you can just say, you can blame the gut for it. Ask the gut, the gut, the gut. It's just my gut bacteria. And again, associated with, with all of these as well in terms of um, the makeup of our microbiota. So today what we are going to cover, so a five-day protocol you can to to do to i say five days because we can do it for five days and see a response from it i'm not saying you should stop after five days and i'm not saying you should carry on it's got to be your choice in that sandra food intolerance cool so the surprising foods that could both hinder and improve your gut health that's always going to be something that does make people think oh actually i thought they were promoting my gut health and they do for some people but not that person fermented foods and probiotics are they safe are they beneficial there's a lot around this probiotics and mental health skin ibs ibd and obesity interesting stuff and at the end we're going to look at applying some of this stuff into something that you can do on your busiest most stressful day and i think this quote sums up probiotics and gut health more than anything i can say so it ain't what you what you don't know that gets you into trouble it's what you know for sure that just ain't so and assuming that a, one particular probiotic is just gonna cure all now when i show you the research you would sometimes think it does there's a lot of things i'm going to share with you tonight which you'll be like why is this not like shared in mainstream media i have no idea hey julia okay so for those that don't know who i am um, my name is Matt Frucci. Growing up, um, Italian background, surrounded by pasta, wheat, wheat, pizza, bread. Um, a, <laughs> nan and granddad, bless them, would always be like, eat more, eat more, eat more. Little did I know that I would later be diagnosed with CDAP disease. And throughout my childhood, this kind of what get, got me into where I am today. And we always need to thank our almost seemingly curses at the time which actually come into our blessings you know when things seem like they're oh, i wish i didn't have this i wish i didn't this wish i didn't have this obstacle they actually lead you into a direction that you probably wouldn't have taken um did that contribute to then having an eating disorder who knows taylin who knows but um that was kind of me growing up very low in confidence would never do anything like this let alone stand up talk and the, the key moment for me was when I was studying at Loughborough University, where I did um, my first master's before going into human nutrition at Oxford Brooks, is this guy here. He's a professor, Ian Henry. He literally, I had to def defend my research at the time, which was um, all about exercise, diabetes. And he literally said, like, if you can't talk, what are you actually going to be able to do with your, with your life? Like, deeper than anything. And and I was like, blimey, yeah. And that was a massive wake-up call for me. And I'm sharing this because I know when a lot of people start, for example, our kickstart programs, everyone's super nervous and anxious and thinks that everyone else is just, it's all right for them. They're in the, they're on the, 
they're on a space we're in a space where it's just easy for them they're you know they're i'm worried i'll be the fit i'll be the least fit i won't be able to do x y and z and and everyone deep down is probably thinking the same and little did i know i wasted so much time worrying about what others were thinking but hampering myself in the in the process and i and it was only when he literally just stood up in front of everyone probably like embarrassed me even more <laughs> when i woke up for this stuff then i've worked in public health uh, and the nhs working on diabetes programs mainly um and then now fruity fit um i still lecture a bit at oxford brooks university in nutrition as well which is where i get to meet some cool people around gut health as well and where i got to meet meet professor glenn gibson who's at reading who coined the term probiotics what a, what a claim that is that's quite cool um and just some of the background in terms of what we do now we we help people develop better relationships with food and get into exercise again and enjoy it maybe when you never thought you ever would okay so on to today so we often hear like oh i've just got a gut feeling drop a yes in the comments if you've ever said that but never really linked gut health with it. You just say it like it's, you know, I've just got a gut feeling. But yet we never actually think, oh, why have I got a gut feeling? Drop a yes in the comments if you've ever said that. So if we think about it, it the gut absorbs the nutrition from your food. So where the majority of serotonin is produced. So if you think about that, that feel-good hormone, we're feeling good, yet most of it is in our gut. Alison, yeah. Sandra, yeah. I've got a gut feeling. Next time you say that, remember there's bacteria in your, who are listening. They're listening to everything we do. We're worried about, um, you know, vaccines turning us into robots. What about those little bacteria in our guts who are literally alive? They're alive in there. No one's saying anything about it. They're trying to take us over. Anyway. Hey, Becky. Yeah, Debbie, Lynn, Paula. So, and thinking about that already, I just dropped some things in as we go with this. So tryptophan which is a nutrient we can get uh, high from kind of turkey, but also from bifidobacteria, which you may have heard on your yogurts. When you look on the back, it will say a culture made of bifidobacteria, et cetera. If you look on the back, lactobacillus. Bifidobacteria can actually be, um, can actually help make tryptophan, which is a precursor to serotonin, that feel-good hormone, which can help our mental health. But it, I'm just dropping stuff in, in here. So when a majority of your immune system is housed, amazing when you think about that, and I'll go on to some research later on, um, and where the majority of bacteria lives um, lives. So, and consider it's not, bacteria doesn't, like probiotics, if you like, good bacteria, doesn't just exist, and we'll go into definitions in a, in a second. Hey, Bindu. But it doesn't just exist in our gut. It also you know, from our mouth, like in other areas, well, it's just the majority is in our gut. So that's literally from stomach, small intestine, large intestine, where the, a lot of the magic happens. So connected to the brain via the gut brain axis as well. So we know from say, um, something like IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, that we know it's kind of a brain, gut brain, uh, that gut brain axis is the key part of it, because there's very much this psychosocial side of it and also our more physiological side of it in terms of the bacteria. And if you compare that to IBD, which is um, a little bit different, that's more like ulcerative colitis, that's a bit more of a physiological state. 
whereas IBS is more psychological, psychosocial and physiological. There's just two components that are coming at it um, from there. So they're just so connected in terms of condition. But there's more. So most metabolically active organ in humans. So a range of bacteria. That's what if you hear microbiota, all these terms flown around, that's the range, the, the different bacteria. We know there's so much on there. So we know it's involved in disease onset and can be modulated by diet. And this is a key point here because what you eat can literally, hey, Helen, hey, Sarah, can literally change your gut microbiota massive, like super quick. Like you could have a poo sample without getting too much. If I might put you off your dinner and your snacks tonight. Um, you can have a poo sample and that could change in literally three days which is quite fascinating, right? Like three days of what you eat will show potentially different bacteria in your poo. Anyway, we're going to be talking about poo probably a lot tonight. Don't mention sweet corn. Anyway, so we'll go on to fermentation later. So like I said, what if the gut is non-optimal at the start? Like all these things, and this is a serious thing, right? And we know that if we can make a difference with this, through lifestyle changes and also through things that maybe we can add in or take away what a difference it can have. And we know that from research, it's getting, we're getting closer. I think the days are numbered before we can start to say, based on the research, maybe five, 10 years, you'll be able to go quite strain specific for a specific condition with a bacteria thrown out there now, like based on where we're at at the moment, already they're starting to go like H. pylori, which I know a few of you have mentioned, uh, like antibiotic, um, like I IBS and stomach issues that you can get alongside um, taking antibiotics, so antibiotic associated diarrhea. We're starting to see that actually certain strain is good for that. So it's like, oh, what do you need today? We'll give you that strain. Um, a little wife's tale is that they say, uh, hey, Anna, dogs, when they're eating poo, are looking for certain strains. Maybe they're ahead of us. Who knows? So, um, and this is a fascinating thing, and it, and it really brought our attention a bit more to the gut microbiota when they, this study, they looked at obesity and metabolism and gut health, essentially. So they got human twins and they got feces, if you like, and planted them into sterile mice. So they had an obese human twin, a lean human twin, okay? So they then used sterile mice with no bacteria in the gut. So they gave them the microbiome sample from the human twin. So lean, obese. And what happened was quite fascinating. Even though they were fed the same diet, the one that was given the lean microbiome gained less weight than obviously the one who had the obese microbiome. Now, this would suggest cause and effect. Now, of course, this is in mice, and we're yet to see this replicated in humans, of course. But don't laugh, because fecal transplants are already happening, in the, even in the NHS. They do it for C. diff, and it has about an 80 to 90% success rate, whereas antibiotics have about a 50% success rate. So it's definitely coming closer. There is some concerns with um, if you did fecal transplants and someone has the microbiome that represents more of a someone who is anxious or depressed, could you also be transferring that those tendencies into someone else? That's a hypothesis that we don't know yet. And I don't think anyone can be sure of that 
not happening? Who knows? Um, but if we think about bacteria, 99.9% .9 are friendly. Do you know how many bacteria actually exist? Any guesses? Put a little guess in the comments. So many that you won't be able to say the word. Yeah. Bit more than two on your yogurt. Um, but the cool thing is, is most are actually friendly. So if we look at it, our gut, so this is like, I describe it like a planet. You've got good bacteria um, inside there, good, bad bacteria, all just going around in there. They're all looking for food. They're all looking to survive. Some of the stuff we eat, some of the stuff we do, stress, smoking, alcohol, lack of sleep, will all that impact our bad bacteria probably feeding that. We've got the other side, um, and I'm saying this, <laughs> probiotics, prebiotics, all helping feed our good bacteria. However, are we chasing the wrong number here? We're going to go into this shortly. So good guess, Helen. Is that making sense so far in terms of the gut? what it is and before we really go into this again i want to take a step back before i say show you some of the stuff because it's like oh probiotics because ibs i know some of you are in for that bloating a lot of that can actually be down to this first and foremost and that could be that we're actually just eating too much at a certain meal we've increased our vegetable intake too much too soon so when we look at fat loss in, in total, we still can't dispute that, that calories are most important. Protein will help with keeping us full, keeping us satiated. Carbs and fats, again, will it make you eat more or less? So should you eat more carbs or, or more fat or less or more? What's high carb or high fat? Michael Mosey said, lower this, lower this. Don't eat after 6 p.m. It really depends whether that makes you eat more or less throughout the day. And that's the key indicator as to whether it will work or not. Does that make sense? So questions to ask yourself already, am I in a calorie deficit? How do I know? Have I eaten enough protein? Could you increase your veg intake, water intake? All important things that underpin what I'm about to say. These are the basics. Now let's get into it. So bloating and IBS. Just comment below with bloating if, if this is something that you want to get a handle on this. Because I'm going to go for a dietary approach now that you can literally apply now for free without any probiotics or crazy supplements. Yeah, cool. So, has anyone heard of the FODMAP diet? Hey, Annette, anyone heard of the FODMAP diet? FODMAPs. I'll test you further. Does anyone know what it actually is? What is a FODMAP? Anyone know? No. So, yeah, Bindu. So a fermentable carbohydrate, essentially. So these are fermentable and some are more fermentable than others. The byproduct of fermentation is gas. Yeah, Stephanie. So these foods, the high FODMAP foods can cause bloating. Now, what's going to confuse a lot of people is actually they're often the foods that we're trying to eat more of. And when you're, if you have constipation, I'm going to show you some research later, which literally just blows your mind, right? So you have constipation, you go to the doctor and yeah, Debbie, all good. I've just let them in. 
they were knocking at the door i've just noticed um you go to the doctors and oh, i'm struggling with pooing and they might say right we'll give you some fiber gel etc and that works for some people for some people it actually doesn't actually removing fiber and fermentable carbohydrates actually helps and vice versa which does kind of blow your mind a little bit now they're rapidly fermenting the gut which can cause ibs symptoms such as bloating wind abdominal pain altered bowel habits so again with bloating and ibs symptoms ibs symptoms can also be triggered by psychosocial things like not knowing where a loo is can trigger someone's ibs because it's like that panic side of things so there's, there's lots of stress people might feel it as well not to mention as we'll go over certain foods intolerances allergies so this kind of diet a low format which i'll go into in a second has been shown to reduce ibs symptoms in 70 percent of people with ibs so it's got a high success rate but no evidence that it works for um so non-gut symptoms like headache skin joint problems which is often linked to gut health as well so this is an example of things you can put in on here so low fodmap foods so if you were to get rid of bloating here you would focus more on these ones in general and and they're quite normal foods right so eggs meats fish because, and i'll go into this in a bit more detail in a second but this is because they're more protein based and fat based so you can't ferment protein or fat okay carbohydrate is the area where you're going to have to make the most changes so certain carbs are more fermentable than others so i'll go into this group in a bit more detail in a second no need to kind of go into crazy detail with this but the interesting thing that gets people is you look at like artichoke and as i go into later there's some great research on artichokes and you call them fartichokes so you know the evidence is there but Artichokes is a prebiotic, and that's like feeding your good bacteria, as we'll go into. But interestingly, on here, if you're trying to control the symptoms of bloating, as so far we don't really have any other options, they recommend actually avoiding this. Now, have a guess. What do you think happens long term to our gut microbiota and our diversity in our gut if we follow this diet, but we manage our symptoms? Does our gut health get more similar to an optimal, if we can even know what an optimal is, because we're still guessing. And anyone who says, yep, yeah, you need this, definitely, uh, you know, we don't really know. Do you think it gets, if you follow this diet, do you think your gut health on paper gets better or worse? And this is where you've got that dichotomy. And by saying dichotomy, I've probably given you the answer. So it gets... Your gut bacteria in your gut it essentially gets less diverse, so essentially worse on paper, but your symptoms get better. Hmm. This is where it gets, yeah, a little bit confusing. So problems with this excessive exclusion, how do we know what the triggers actually are? What about if it was just the wheat or gluten thing and you were doing all these things? It's, it's actually the act, if to follow it properly, it's got a traffic light signals, and it's super confusing, if I'm honest. You've got green, you've got ambers, you've got reds. Potentially uh, malnourished as well. So what I want to share with you instead, more so, is this one in the middle. So this is low fermentation potential diet. So you've got 
the more complicated version of this, which is the FODMAP, which is quite confusing and not that doable, in my opinion. You've got the low fermentation, which I'm going to go over now. And then you've got the simple version, which is just literally just cut out fiber. And that will work, by the way. But it's so simple that you might end up missing out on a lot of nutrients. And then essentially, you've got to ask the question. And that's fine, by the way, if you want to go down that route. But if you're cutting out this, what nutrients am I? And this is what I would always do if I'm ever working with you with this. If you say, no, I know it's dairy or da da da. Okay, if you cut out dairy, what are we missing? These nutrients, B12, protein, iodine, etc. Where are we going to get these from now? Let's make a list of these foods and replace that. It's not about what you believe right or wrong. Everything is doable. You've just got to be selective with it. Okay. So let's go into it now. So this is about reducing the fermentation. Okay. Potential of the foods in your diet. Quite simple. So dietary fat, like I said, it doesn't ferment. Okay. So for most people, you're going to be fine. And remember, we're starting small here. You might need to get more into this potentially, but I'd rather start higher with less exclusion than, than go all in and then have to really crawl back. So, you know, avocado, olive oil, butter, cream, nuts, seeds, generally okay. Hard cheese, yogurt, mayonnaise, fine. If you're using meat, milk, lacto-free or alternative nuts, soy milks, generally. So we're just cutting the lactose out here because lactose is fermented. Lactase is the enzyme, but also you might have some fermentation in that as well so super simple with the fat so fats are all good not really any changes there because it's not fermented and can you see already compared to the fodmap there'll be a few foods in there that we wouldn't we would still be a bit always a bit fodmappy but for a lot of most people we actually find that they're actually okay with these foods so protein foods don't ferment either so you can go crazy with them also you know like i said about turkey maybe that's why everyone's happy at christmas who knows um Tryptophan may actually have uh, benefits beyond that as well. Um, so protein, fine. Now, the food group, food groups, if you like, vegetables and carbs are going to be where we're going to be making more changes. So most vegetables, fine. Ones to be cautious of, broccoli, cabbage, sprouts, lentils, chickpeas, kidney beans, legumes are going to be the, the key ones. And if whilst doing this, you, you start suddenly swing the other way, because people are doing this sometimes do, they go from five, six times a day to not being able to go. And also, this is an important conversation to have. What is a normal amount to go? There's no real definition of this. It's more, if you've seen the Bristol stools chart, just Google that. Um, it's more about being normal in there. But also just consider that any change in your diet may just see a swing quite quickly to one thing or another even if you added in a probiotic for example you might see something change quite quickly doesn't mean it's not working or is working but you might just see a difference like i said your food changes quickly but what's normal for you will be normal and you just need to monitor that so if you struggle all of a sudden with constipation then a little protocol for you sweet corn uh, linseed extra 200 ml fluid does the trick to a lot of people but as i'll go into sometimes actually just lowering this can can help anyway in terms of going normal and regular starchy food so this is the key one so everything you've been told about whole grains etc you actually have to do the opposite here so if you normally had brown rice or even white rice you want to switch that to more the, like the jasmine rice jasmine rice is higher gi which means 
it's essentially not got to be broken down so much as less fermentable roughage in it. So the more fiber, the more roughage, the more it's got to be fermented, which has much, much benefit in terms of feeding your bacteria. However, the, the bloating, the fermentation, and they think that there's something called bacterioids, which uh, well, bacterioid ETs, and they, they're more present in people who can handle these foods. And they think that these are key in helping people ferment foods, essentially, and make short-chain fatty acids, which I'll go into, which can have all these benefits in. But if you don't, if you have lower amounts, it seems that we, we have issues now. And it's all well and good saying, yeah, but I'm going to chase good bacteria and stuff. But the problem is, is if you then have IBS and you're not absorbing your nutrients so well, you could be then low in iron, B12, you're not absorbing nutrients, you're then feeling tired, you're then sluggish, you're then not doing the things that you want to do, and all for the sake of trying to have good gut bacteria, which you can't even accurately measure anyway, right? So generally, you want to lower the intake in general, like I said, like lowering the intake of this food group anyway, but if you're having them, stick to these these ones. So rice, pasta, rice noodles, generally, um, sourdough, the bread is generally better. Um, Corn is generally okay. So you don't ferment corn. Um, so just a sample day on there, like smoked salmon, boiled eggs, sandwich made with small white or sourdough, meat, veg, salad, filling, stir fry veg. So just so I can make it, we can make it as normal as possible on here. So that's something to, to give a try. And at the end of this, um, I will share with you an actual sheet of this. So you've got this, okay? So if you do want that, Stick around to the end and I'll, um, I can share that with you. So a key question that people ask is, is, will I need to follow this forever? And no one really knows the answer to this. But if it controls your symptoms and you have more energy now, everyday tasks are now easier. You can focus on actually getting on with your life. You're not bloating, worried about going to the loo. Then that's surely better, right? That's surely a good thing if you're controlling that. You know, there's some research still going on that you, you might heal your symptoms and you can go back to eating normally, potentially. And as we get better with the strains of probiotics for certain conditions, I see no reason why potentially this won't happen in some people. But it's so complicated. It could be due to from birth, from prenatal in our lives, like as we'll go into. So. Are we still following right now? Give me a yes in the comments. Hope you haven't bored you too much. So cutting out food groups, like I said, some of the common things that we can try. Hey, Maggie. Uh, hey, Elaine. Gluten, dairy, eggs, meat, soy. A lot of people go down this route. Oh, I'm going to cut out food soon. And there's, there's nothing wrong with cutting out a food group and saying, I'm just going to see how it, see how it goes. And if you feel better from doing that, great. We can't argue. But if you're just switching one thing for another, what I like to do and suggest you do is look at, if you're going to cut out food group, pick one thing and look at what I am missing from my diet now because you do run the risk of deficiency. So say you're going to get cut out dairy. What are you missing now? Well, you're missing vitamin B12. That's important for energy, absorption of nutrients. You can only get that essentially from animal products, dairy or supplementation. 
And by that, I do mean fortified milks, plant-based milks. Some will be fortified with it. So trying to get them in as well. So it's still supplementation. The protein intake, are you replacing it with something that's high in protein or are you doing an, an almond coconut yogurt, which is actually just really high in fat? So your nutrition changes. Probiotics, we know it's got bifidobacteria in, uh, lactobacillus, which are two real key ones. Um, so are, where are we getting that from? We supplemented with probiotics. Are we getting another fermented product in? Um, iodine, which we know is important for thyroid. So what are we missing out on on here? Okay. Always be critical with that. So now we get on to the, the this is the in, real interesting part for me. But hopefully that was too. And that's something you can apply for free and just get going now. Now, let me know your results if you do try that. Like I said, at the end, I will share the sheet with you. They use this in trials, clinics. Uh, Leicester use it a lot. They kind of seem to be up there with diabetes and gut health as well. Um, so do probiotics and prebiotics actually work so what are probiotics so live microorganisms so they're actually alive so and when given in, in adequate amounts confer a health benefit to the host us as the host okay so and this guy professor glenn gibson who i've mentioned a few times um it's a really interesting one because probiotics get criticized a lot and it's really hard to research them because like i said i'm different to you I might have lots of lactobacillus, which is one strain of probiotics in me. Let's be, let's speak more English. Let's say Yakult. Everyone knows what Yakult is, little drinky thing, right? Um, with probiotic. Let's say I need that KSI, lactobacillus, KSI, Sharota strain that they, they big up. I need that. But then you, or last person who commented, Debbie, you need bifidobacteria. But then I take the Yakult, which I've got already loads on, I'll see no benefit. Whereas Debbie takes the one that she needs, the bifidobacteria, and she sees a benefit. Now we conclude that probiotics work in 50% of the cases. Therefore, there's no health claim to probiotics because it only works 50% of the time. So can you see how it's so complicated compared to drugs? Drugs just work or don't, right? Does that make sense? And that's why I do think that probiotics don't get as much like coverage as they perhaps should and they're just sat on the shelf and there are no i don't think they're used properly yet either because the types of strains we know are working in different people for that as well super fascinating now the reason i've shared this quote for pathogens we say you don't need many but for probiotics we need them all it doesn't make sense and this is really interesting because obviously he's big on that he spent his life researching um probiotics prebiotics but when we talk about germs and like bad bacteria, we always say like we need to cut it all out. Like you see like hand gel and uh, bleach or whatever kills 99% of germs. So, but when we study probiotics and we study people's poo and say you administer, let's just say a hundred, you got hundred units, say hundred for easy maths. And in the poo, there's, now only there's there's probiotics in the in the poo so it hasn't lasted it's it's gone there's only three left people will say well it obviously hasn't it's it's still in it's in the poo it's come out so that means it hasn't cultured it hasn't done anything it's just died and the interesting thing is is 
we say when it comes to like the germs and bad bacteria that you need, you don't need many, but in a probiotics, people want to see it lasting 100% or they kind of conclude it's, it's not worth it. But we don't do that in a lot of other things. So, um, yeah, probiotics in a conscious form, how to balance it, good and bad bacteria. Yeah, we're going to go into that. So prebiotics, uh, lots of destroyed in the stomach acid and environment. Yeah, but a lot of there is a there's that's not conclusive in that they don't work just because stomach acid does the job because they can have an impact on certain areas it might be that we only need a little bit of it to get through to still have the benefit if you were going to get a, a stomach bug a lot of it will be killed in your stomach from the acid but some of it will still get through does that make sense and that still might give you diarrhea sickness even though your stomach acid should kill it all, right? So it's it's not a done deal. So uh, prebiotics are essentially, as I'll, I'll show you with this diagram here, always everyone knows what Pac-Man is, right? So if you think of Pac-Man as like the probiotic, the prebiotic is the food that they eat. So the bacteria eat prebiotics. So just to give you some ideas, so fermented products, Prebiotics, chicory, garlic, onion, asparagus, sweet potato, artichokes, inulin, sauerkraut, pickles, cheese, yogurts, all examples. So inulin is more of like a supplement. Um, it's like a, a type of fiber, which you kind of would need to supplement to get the, the effect of it. But it has been shown to have benefits with this. OK, so does that make sense when I explain it like that? Hopefully it does. So. Probiotics, we're going to go through probiotics in each stage now. So for a generally healthy gut, and that's what a lot often people say. So we're going to look at this. There's no consensus of what the ultimate gut bacteria is. So what, what actually is a healthy gut? Now, these two, though, seem to come up all the time whenever they confer a benefit. So when they show a benefit in anything, these two kind of come up. And, you'll, and like I said, you'll see these in like yogurts and et cetera. And it's probably why there's so much... When you look at dairy intake and longevity or a health benefit, it's nearly always the fermented products that probably confer the most benefits. And I wonder, we hypothesize that it's probably them. So think of like cheese, yogurt, probably most of the benefits of dairy are coming from those products. So these are just some, I know this is a big, I'm going to break this down, don't worry. These are just some of the benefits. So natural killer cell activity, these are like antiviral, anti-tumor, risk of certain cancers, down, uh, constipation benefit, pathogen, um, immune response, uh, short chain fatty acids. So these are what went through fermentation. These are created. Um, so from prebiotics and also probiotics just being there and then eating them, if you like. Short chain fatty, fatty acids, they confer a benefit in terms of colon cancer, in terms of keeping us more full up, which then goes into the obesity side of things. So you can get really interesting with this food intolerance. Um, so like I said, with short chain fatty acids. So this is the fermentation of fiber by bacteria in the colon creates these short term uh, short chain fatty acids. And these are what they're called acetate, propionate and butyrate. And these have a benefits in terms of mood, hunger, absorption of minerals like calcium, reduced risk of disease. And, and we think about the amount of like stuff we don't understand and then this is just in the background going on which is quite fascinating so again this is a win for that fiber prebiotics remember when it comes to bloating all of this stuff you want to avoid 
not the cheese and yogurt. So that's the key thing. So we're going to go over a few things now in terms of this is something that's very recent, obviously, of COVID. Um, and they looked at essentially hospitalized patients with COVID and they found that clinical outcomes improved quicker when they give probiotics. And it's quite fascinating. Obviously, this is only one study, but imagine if this is used moreover. And if you and for the sake of a probiotic, which can be relatively cheap, why not just go for it? It's not gonna really, I, I can't imagine it having any um drawbacks to it. It's not like a pharmaceutical which can interfere. Um, so yeah, interesting. So this is probably where the most success comes and this is more around um travelers diarrhea um antibiotic associated diarrhea as well so we know the equilibrium in the gut after antibiotic use can be a massive thing here so if you're on anti antibiotics it may even help it work better because you're boosting your good bacteria so antibiotics when you're taking that they'll wipe out your good bacteria as well but we can restore that equilibrium quicker um, I know a few researchers, they've looked at um, taking it kind of four hours apart, the, the antibiotics to just kind of boost them up again. Uh, but at least at the very least afterwards, you're not going to do any harm with it. So uh, H. pylori, which a few people talked about. So them numbers are quite close, but there's others. That's the, that's the worst study. And what I mean by that is all the others show a lot benefit. But I just wanted to share that because, you know, it's not a massive difference, but essentially taking probiotics eradicated it by like 83% of the time, not with 74. So it's still a benefit, but this was the, the closest they were to not conferring a huge benefit. Um, what is your view on kefir? Yeah, exactly like fermented dairy. So that would come into the, the um, same as like yogurt, but may have slightly higher amounts of um, bacteria. So yeah, good kefir, all good, all good. Um, but again, effectiveness seems to be strain and condition specific. So traveler's diarrhea, infectious diarrhea, antibiotic associated diarrhea, probiotics. This is the area where probiotics are closing in, I would say, on getting a, a health claim. They've tried about 400 times and they've had like 400 rejections. But that's because, like I said, it's really difficult because people start from different strains, people start from different areas. But if you look at certain studies, when I was at Loughborough University, they were studying in 2012 at the Olympics, they were actually studying the athletes and they were looking at, despite their training, trying to keep them away from having upper respiratory tract infections like colds and viruses. And they found that probiotics were helping with that. And But the problem is because they're not helping in everyone, they can't confirm that effect. Um, I do think they get, they get, they're like the bullied school kid a bit that, you know, it doesn't count for you, probiotic. You've got to be 100% correct or you're nothing. But um, traveler's diarrhea is one that's like been researched time and time again. Um, like take cruise ships, like when people get like stomach issues, et cetera, everyone kind of seems to go down with it. And it's definitely seen an improvement there. But you could apply that to people going on holiday to university, to a new environment, back to work, especially in current conditions, back to the office, uh, taking it for two weeks before, which isn't exactly a long time, uh, seems to have benefits with that. So may want to consider that.
but like I said, it's difficult to say take this when there's, you know, and that's why there's not many health claims on the food. Um, but if, you, if you're trying to get a benefit from it and you take, like to keep it, give a simple term, if you took Actimel and then it didn't do anything for four weeks and then you switch to Yakult to see if it did, it'd be interesting to see. Um, but you'd have to have a clear outcome in mind of what you're trying to do. So inflammatory bowel disease this is different to IBS. So ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease. Um, these are associated with low microbiome diversity. So a range of gut bacteria, low levels of short chain fatty acid butyrate. So like I said, with those um, short chain fatty acids that come from the fermentation of fiber, vitamin D deficiency is associated with this as well. Um, but there's been some interesting research. There's 2.4 fold increase in remission compared to placebo for ulcerative colitis. And that's with a probiotic. So you might have heard of VSL free. You'll see that in like boots and stuff like that, which is quite interesting. So remission in terms of symptoms. So if you know anyone with that, yeah, why not? Um, you're still going to be taking probably potentially drugs anyway, but interesting. So on to IBS, which we've we've touched on already, obviously with the low fermentation diet, which is free, you can just apply straight away. So what does the research show on IBS? So like I said, it is a disorder of the gut-brain axis. So we know there's psychosocial side of things. Stress, is there a loo nearby? I know what it's like. Um, before I was actually had, I knew I had a wheat allergy intolerance, celiac disease from a young age. Like I, I thought it was normal though, graphic here to eat and then go to the loo straight away i literally most things i ate i just need to go to loo straight away um it's quite liberating actually not to have to do that now i'm so much more productive anyway enough about that but i am so it is it's a massive condition and it impacts people's lives hugely and like i said what is normal that it's a taboo subject you don't just go oh i'm just off to the loo oh by the way how many times you've been today i was just wondering because you know i just wonder if mine's normal Hey, Claire. Um, so there's lots of impact. Did this stress can trigger it? Food can trigger it. Can they both come in together with that? So it's, it's a bit different to IBD. So uh, like I said, uh, bacteroid DTs, uh, which help break down FODMAPs, which may contribute. So if these are lower, then this could be perhaps associated with it. So um, the thing is, you've got like yoga shown to help, Tai Chi shown to help. So you're thinking the psychosocial side of things there and exercise as well. So high intensity, low intensity has been shown to help. Also trigger it as well. Low FODMAPs, low fermentation, also probiotics, but there's mixed results. So again, they can't just go, yeah, it works or not. And like everything, a combination is probably going to be key here. And likely combining them is probably going to be the best form of here a symbiotic as they call it so food allergies and intolerances I'm, I'm sharing this from a point of view of there is some stuff that you can do now and, and i know some people and i've experienced in the past um there's a company called simprove who uh, were working with the nhs years ago and i i went there in farm brand i went there and i um spoke to the owner and I, and them there and I took Simprove and still ate wheat even though 
I was diagnosed with celiac and I, I wouldn't, so I bear in mind, I get mouth ulcers, bloating IBS, like straight to the loo. And when I was taking Simproof, I actually didn't get any mouth ulcers, which is quite interesting. Could have been coincidence. I don't know. Placebo effect. We just don't know. But as soon as I stopped taking it again, they, they would all happen again. It's just a little study trial. Um, but going into food allergies and intolerances. So super interesting. I find this stuff really interesting. And when you wouldn't want to be with me when you're pregnant, um, I was literally there. Jen, Mrs. Frucci, have you taken your pre and probiotic today? Um, so it's only because I'm like reading. So I've probably spent many evenings rocking a baby reading these but also prior to pregnancy <laughs> prior to Jen's pregnancy reading these so lactobacillus and bifidobacteria again pre and postnatal reduced food sensitivity and atopic sensitization so that could be psoriasis eczema um, and particular benefits noted in children delivered via c-section that's perhaps due to the bacteria that they're covered in um, down birth canal but interestingly um it just goes to show that there is a lot we can do. And I don't think there's any ever too late, but obviously when you're younger, that's when a lot of gut bacteria seems to be set. Um, we can deviate away, like we can modulate that with diet and probiotics. So I see no reason why, like, like with, we say with exercise and muscle, it's never too late to, to change that. Um, so probiotics for the brain, mental health. So does anyone have any questions at the moment on, on this side of things? Anyone have any questions on this side of things? And going back to when you, when you cut foods out, if you do go down that route and how to bring them back in, I'll just share something that in terms of going back to the dairy side of things, if you were cutting out dairy, you could do it. One thing I would recommend doing first and foremost is with milk, right? So just see if it's the milk or the lactose. Get lactose-free milk, get milk. So normal cow's milk, lactose-free milk. Put them in separate jugs. Get, get someone who to do it for you, obviously, so you don't know. So they put lactose-free in one and then normal milk in the other then get, have one for three days and have the other for three days. And see, and just report your symptoms each day, then, then find out what happened. And I say that because there's a lot of studies where people who diagnose themselves with lactose intolerance actually are fine when they do that. And again, that psychosocial thing is very real when it comes to that. Um, so worth doing. If you are cutting out like gluten and you're, you're trying to see how you get on with that and it's just an intolerance, um, there's no set protocol that's been proven scientifically with this, but it makes sense to me to cut it out, but then bring it back in slowly, perhaps after a week, starting off with something like sourdough or rye, which are lower wheat gluten and seeing how you respond, then maybe just going a bit more and more towards maybe then oats, then wheat after that. And you might find that there's, there's a certain part there where you know right that's that's my limit um something to consider so uh probiotics for the brain mental health this is fascinating so back to that 
gut feeling side of things. So um, this is one in, in depression. Now, of course, I'm, you're not just going to tell someone just to have depression, just take a probiotic and that will do. But this did show benefits in cognitive functions in patients with major depression. So start like activity in the brain, starting to think a bit differently. But you've got to consider, again, it's a real complicated area because if someone has IBS and they don't really realize that it is IBS or they perhaps have loose bowels and they're not absorbing iron, B12, they're low on energy, they're more likely to rate themselves as depressed, down, and then all of a sudden they, their IBS stops, perhaps because of the probiotics, they then feel better. Is, is this the probiotic working on the brain or is it a side effect of feeling better from covering their IBS, from helping their IBS? Does that make sense? So we don't really know at the moment because the studies just aren't there. Um, however, it's something that yeah definitely needs to be looked at more. I'd love to know what your thoughts were on that. So uh, this is more self-reported around, this is obviously Yakult, this drink. Consuming a milk drink containing a probiotic on mood and cognition. Um, so people who reported low mood at the start, they were given placebo or a probiotic. The people who were given probiotic, um, mood increased at the end. Um, and we can also go into like ADHD, some interest and autism, some really interesting studies on there in terms of, um, well, it wasn't even published. So it was Professor Glenn Gibson who was doing this study. And they, they were looking at, probiotics and they wanted to see behavior i'll see if i can get it up uh, they were looking at behavior and they got um parents to obviously give their kids um uh autism uh, sorry probiotic uh, or a placebo and they found that improvement in behavior etc was was there they didn't find that that's just what the parents said and they didn't want to switch to the placebo because they were seeing positive results so they found out that the child was on the probiotic because their behavior improved so when they said right now we're going to switch you to this one they then just said no so they could kind of report the study but not and nothing has been done about this, as far as I know. Um, it's a very unethical thing to study because you could argue if you're seeing a benefit, surely all children who are autistic should be given the opportunity to take them, right? So it's, is it ethical to say, no, you're going to take placebo for 12 weeks and potentially could have an impact? But yeah. The thing is with these studies, you don't know if it's cause or effect, but um, I know uh, Glenn Gibson at the time, they were um, looking at uh, the gastro problems that could be associated with it, um, with autism. And there's certain toxins, brain that could be, you know, we've talked about the gut brain axis, yeah. Fascinating stuff, but definitely one that you can't conclude on or just say, yes, just take a probiotic. 
but yeah, interesting stuff. So for skin, um, it's talked about a lot actually in terms of like psoriasis. Um, there was an improvement in inflammatory markers of people with psoriasis, but then some people find that actually cutting out dairy helps with that. But then also some people find that there's no studies on that, by the way, like research that shows that just from working with people. And But also there's other things going on, right? If someone's seeking healthy actions, they often end up actually making better choices elsewhere. Maybe they're less stressed. Maybe they're also starting meditation, Tai Chi, yoga, going for walks, getting outside more, taking vitamin D. Quite a difficult one. Now, if we go back to probiotics here, um, in terms of where we are at and what we were talking about, uh, if there is the right bacteria, does that not help with the absorption of the goodness in the food? Uh, potentially, Maggie, if there is the right bacteria in the gut, does that not help the absorption of? Potentially, but you could have good bacteria and still potentially have. IBS and not absorbing the nutrients from the food. Um, but generally, I'd say there's less association with absorption of food and gut bacteria, but more the byproducts of the good bacteria, which have those short chain fatty acids, which we know seem to be go having a little party in the colon um, in terms of potentially colon cancer, hunger hormones, which seem to be going on your immune system as well. Um, so that there is a criteria that a few studies have looked at in terms of probiotics. So they need to arrive, survive, and then thrive in the target area, aka the large intestine. So like I said, though, we don't know how many need to get there. But this was a study that mimicked. So you might have heard of a lot of these products. Um, so BioCult, you might have heard of that, VSL, Yakult, Actimel, Simpru. And they compared these brands and they wanted to see uh, essentially whether they first and foremost had the amount of probiotics they said in them. So if they say we've got 10 billion in here, when they measured them, is it actually 10 million? So uh, you can see here only dairy based um, or water based probiotics delivered 100% or more of the claim content. Um, and then we, they, they mimicked the stomach. So they found that a lot of the bacteria just simply was like dying in the stomach. Now, again, we don't know what this means. So don't, don't think that it's, it's interesting nonetheless. We don't know whether that means that, okay, does that mean that this does nothing still or is, it st is some still getting through? Um, but if you look at that drop off, quite crazy. Um, and then does it actually create a growth in there? Because essentially you want the bacteria to grow, right? You want to feed it, prebiotics grow, um, and some were showing no growth. Now, others, other researchers, even Glenn Gibbs himself, says you don't actually, it, he would say it doesn't grow and it shouldn't grow. That's just not how it works. It works more so from the byproducts of that that you put in there, and it has an effect while you take it. And potentially then that can have a benefit that, that does help long-term through perhaps fermentation and, and handling nutrition better. 
but we just don't know at the moment. And whether probiotics should be taken forever, probably not. If it's in the in the form of like drinks and food, well, then it's obviously a lot doable, um, a lot more doable. And this is quite a nice little table in here. So it showed kind of what survived, what didn't. Um, and if you're wondering there, that it's because they mimicked each three. So if Actimal got through, it, it kind of shown it colonizes the gut. Um, but this has been, this has actually been criticized by the guy who coined the term probiotic. So, you know, just interesting. So talking of fiber and probiotics, we've talked a lot about that. We've got to consider that are the benefits of fiber above and beyond the gut, right? So for one, they're not four calories per gram, which compare that to, to carbohydrates and protein and fat, carbs and protein are four calories per gram. Fat is nine calories per gram. So already you're consuming something, eating something, it's filling up space in your stomach, yet the calorie per gram is a lot less. Hence, it'll probably keep you full up for longer. Not to mention these are often fermented and that then gets that benefit, unless you're really targeting the bloating side of things so you've got insoluble and soluble types of uh, fiber a good way to generally to describe them is that they soak up water more um, and these just some of the benefits like almost regardless of independent of the gut effects right so um cholesterol we know that fiber binds to cholesterol and takes that back to the liver good bacteria inflammation weight in terms of fullness risk of type 2 diabetes insulin resistance because of that slow digestion as well. So is, I'm sharing this now because I'm not, I don't want to scare you from fiber, but you can get different types of fiber that will be less fermentable, right? So greens generally are going to be less. Cooking your vegetables is going to make it less fermentable. Um, and like I said, with these benefits that we talked about already. So, and, and I'm sharing this one here as well, because like I said at the start about um constipation mm -hmm. can be effectively reduced by stopping or even lowering the intake of dietary fiber which is opposite to often what which you'll get told right interesting like take a fiber gel is that actually the right thing to do who knows and again we need to consider that behind all of this we've got diet which from a young age alcohol gluten dairy are there intolerances, sugar? We know that smoking impacts it. FODMAPs, artificial sweeteners could impact it because the artificial sweeteners, the reason they work so well is they're fermented in the gut. So because they're fermented, they can give off gas, bloating. So if you're quite bad to be around at certain times of the day and maybe it's around the time that you have artificial sweeteners, there could be something going on there. But diet is causing a stress, which could be triggering IBS, could, could be impacting um, our gut health. And these are all things we can impact straight away, right? We're always looking for the quick fix, the probiotic, but actually, what about these? No problem, Annette. Um, we know that inactivity, sedentary behavior for a long period of time impacts our gut health, like moving improves our gut health. So although when we show probiotics has a positive impact, also there's just moving. Can we just move more today? Not to mention all of these benefits. So we can get caught down a rabbit hole, right? Our stress management as well. 
like I said, some people are doing yoga, tai chi, meditation, or show similar benefits to people who are taking probiotics. Is a symbiotic better? Who knows? So becoming in tune with your body, start asking questions. I feel tired today. Okay. Why do I feel tired? What did I eat before? Get really get become a master of your body and think about what you're putting in on here. We can go into that a hell of a lot. Was I sleep? What was my bedtime routine like? Work? Am I am I stressed at work at the moment? Any exercise we did? Are we doing more or less than normal? All these changes can impact bowel movements. Fiber intake. What I ate two hours ago. That that will tell you probably where you're at with that. Now, something that we talk about, and this this aligns essentially with what the research shows um, in our Kickstarter, is the food, fitness, mindset, focus side of things, which pretty much underpins fat loss health. If you get these three things right, you'll pretty much be on track. But you don't have to be perfect straight away. Is something that we always say. So. Whenever you're making a change, whenever you're trying to make a change, think about where you're at on this, on this little graph here. So whenever we want to make a change at the start, we're like, yes, I'm doing this. Uninformed optimism comes in. We're buzzing to start, right? We're excited. Then we realize stage two, informed pessimism, the day comes. You're like, oh, I can't eat that. I can't eat this. Or I've got to get up at six o'clock to exercise. And we're just like, oh. And then we drop into that valley of despair. And that's where we're like, sod this, I might as well just give up. It's easy. You'll get a dopamine hit from giving up. Does that mean that giving up is good for your gut health and your mental health? Probably not, right? You've got two choices here. Quit and repeat, go back. You'll, realize, you'll feel good for two days and then you'll go, oh, you know what? I need to change again. I'm, I'm so tired all the time. I've got no energy. My clothes aren't fitting. I'm bloated. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm out of breath walking up this hill and I wasn't five years ago i'm pre-diabetic whatever it is and then we start again but if we can get through that valley of despair and just realize that this is a normal cycle of change it's going to be hard anyway so we might as well choose the hard that's going to get us the results we want then we get into that informed optimism okay it's going to be hard but i'm going to choose the hard i'm going to act based on how i want to feel rather than how i currently feel then we get that success and fulfillment and there's no better feeling than that making a choice because you want to make that choice rather than that choice because you're being policed, you're being told to eat healthy, eat this. No, actually, you're just making a decision that you want to make. Give yourself permission to eat anything you want, just not everything. Anything you want, there should be permission to have it. But just make the choice that you want to make that makes you feel good, because I'm guessing you want to feel good. So something that you can apply today straight away. So on a scale of one to 10, one being low, 10 being high, where's your energy at? on a scale right now today so just comment below comment below where you're at one to ten so just comment below let me know where you're at this is just something that i want to kind of finish on with this so let me know one being low maggie eight nice seven belinda good work jill one Helen, seven. Jane, seven. Okay, Sandra, seven. Cool. Good, perfect. Okay, Michelle, seven. Awesome. So, Debbie, nine. So, what I want you to do now is, is note down one thing that you could do to get one point higher. So, I'm not saying go from a one to a ten. How could you get from a one to a two? How could you get to a two to a three? 
What's one thing that you could do today? Maybe not today, maybe tomorrow. You could do it today. That if you did now, would get you one point higher. Christine, eight. Sue, seven. Alison, eight. Debbie, one. One today. Ten yesterday. Katrina, two. Teresa, six. Cool. So just note down one thing and share it with me. One thing that you could do tomorrow. Go to bed earlier. Cool. Bed by 11, midnight last night. Yeah. So for me, bed by 9.45 tonight. I better get on and on. Um, has a massive impact. That's one thing that will boost me from a seven to an eight. And it, that's all you have to do day by day. Where am I at? One to 10. Well, how can I get one? Because most people want to get from a one to a 10. Overwhelmed, do nothing. Might as well be a minus 10. Go to bed early. Everyone's going to bed early. Funny thing is, I'm bloody keeping you awake. Shit. Sorry. <laughs> I'm the problem. Bloody hell. And the solution. To me as well. One minute workout. Perfect, Michelle. Yeah. And that's the thing. The one minute work. Med meditate instead of worry. Cool. So when I worry, notice when you worry, you're not doing, right? And this is something that, that helps me a lot. Every time I worry, that's a, it's not a problem. It's just an alarm clock. That says I should be doing something. You can't do everything. You can always do one thing. You can't do everything. You can always do one thing. When I worry, it's because I'm not doing anything. When I'm doing, never worrying. And people say it when they come to sessions. They're like, I really didn't want to come today. Stress of work. There's so much going on. But I feel so much better now. Mary, extra one minute workout. Perfect. Love that. So we're going from moving away from that feeling out of breath and tired, clothes not fitting, no energy, worrying about our health, feeling out of our control. Remember, your brain rewards you for movement, but only once you've done it. So dichotomy. Your gut rewards you for movement. We know serotonin, tryptophan, endorphins. Not eat yogurt. How come, Helen? So act based on how you want to feel rather than how you currently feel. Key. So should you take a probiotics or should you do these things or do these things impact the gut just as much? This is something that I, that is a bit catch 22. And I always say, go for the, the, the smallest action, the quickest thing that you can do today to take you from one step to another. It, that could be take a probiotic that could act synergistically with what you're going to do. So what I want you to do is, is actually, let me know what you're going to do from this. What you what's your biggest take home from tonight? And with that one thing as well that you're going to do, I would tally it, okay? Is it dinner and done? Um, I'm not eating after dinner anymore. Is it protein every meal? Is it glass of water for every meal? Is it at least one meal of vegetables a day? Is it glass of water for every meal? Is it taking a probiotic? just set a target and just tally it off every day. Watch those tally points. Have a look. Set a target. Tally it. There you go, Helen. So now you know. In on there. So just, just commit to that for a certain amount of days and see how you feel. Then make the choice. I've got permission to feel sluggish or not. Then you make the choice that you want to make. So it's basing it on how you want to feel. 
Okay. So who'd like a copy of the low fermentation diet cheat sheet? If you want that, just comment below with gut health um, and I'll send that over to you. So that's the, the five-day challenge, that sheet that we, we worked on at the start. Just comment below with gut health and I can send that over to you. So, yeah, absolutely, Sandra. So if you just comment below of gut health, um, I will get that sent over. Cool, Helen. Yeah, Belinda. Cool. Yeah, Sandra. Uh, Debbie. Cool. Perfect. Yeah, and does anyone have any questions? Eileen? Yeah, awesome, Jackie. Does anyone have any questions on this? Anything you want to ask? Michelle, yeah, cool. Teresa, yeah, Liz, awesome. And hopefully with that, the information that we've gone through and the sheet, you've got enough info there to get started on why it might work, why it might not work, how to manipulate things um, from there. When we can chat through that as well if you want to in the old messenger. I've been on gut gummies from my protein for a month. Seems to make a difference. Perfect. Maggie missed the first half hour. Cool. Uh, the, the replay will be on here as well. Um, so you can watch that back through, Maggie. That's all good. So does anyone have any questions? <coughs> Which probiotic was the most stable once taken? So it was, it was Simprove. However... They, they did fund the study. Um, not, I'm not, you know, can't say that that's, not all of it, they just helped with it. Um, so I, I would, so this is what I would recommend if I was, if I was, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I won't say I recommend it, I'll say what I do. Simprove is very expensive, uh, but it does seem to make sense because it's water-based, so it doesn't stimulate the digestive juices, acid like food would, like dairy would, right? However, there's so many studies on dairy being beneficial in terms of the probiotics, like Yakult's and all of them, that seem to show a benefit in certain people that I would go with something like a bio-cult, and that's what I actually take and actually give to the kids. Um, quite a lot. I sprinkle it on stuff. <laughs> um, so BioCult, I also don't mind Actimals anyway from like a yogurt point of view. And the kids actually love them anyway. But I don't have that many of them. But um, I'd probably recommend going down that route, like BioCult, if I was going to take one. But I'd also ask like why you're taking them and and then you can measure okay is it is it going to be right for me uh eileen i only have eight centimeters of large intestine after mini ox will probiotics still help good question i don't think we would know um good question like that would be a good question to ask the consultant and see what they say on it. They're probably not going to know. 
Um, I mean, I would hypothesize that it would still have the same effect. Um, but I wouldn't know if it would be beneficial or not. Um, and I can't imagine there's any studies on it as well. Um, but either or, either or, I think it's worth asking that question to consultant or and, and seeing, maybe have, have a look, see if anyone else who's gone through similar has taken them before. And I guess the key thing would be, do you get any abnormal symptoms from only having eight centimeters of intestine um, that you kind of want to get a handle on? That would be the first question for them. Um, all good, Jackie. Great stuff. So I hope you found that helpful. Any questions as always? Uh, oh, no, a question coming. How long would you take probiotics for? It depends on what you're treating. Depends what it's for. Um, I, I used to be more religious with this, but I used to do it every time the seasons changed. Um, yeah. I used to do that when the seasons changed. Yeah. Uh, Sandra, can you confirm? I believe you said taking part of it may enhance the effect. Uh, not necessarily the effect of antibiotics, but more the effect of the probiotic because your gut bacteria. Yeah, I'll just confirm that. So it won't necessarily make the antibiotic better, but it will, the effect of the probiotic would probably be better because your gut bacteria be wiped out at that time. Does that make sense, Sandra? Good question, actually. I can see how that can be misinterpreted as many things can. Cool. Perfect. Yeah, I remember when um, I've, if I've ever had to take antibiotics, I do went I went crazy on <laughs> on the probiotics. Yeah, perfect. Brilliant. We'll have an awesome evening. Uh, many of you are getting to bed shortly too. Uh, remember, sleep helps your gut health as well. My one hour presentation on gut health has lasted one hour and 20 minutes. It's not bad for me. Anyway, awesome. See you, Belinda. See you, Jane. See you, Debbie. Awesome work. Great stuff, Jill. Glad you enjoyed it. Interesting, Maggie. Awesome. Perfect. Cool. Any questions, as always, just let me know. And if you're on replay again, comment below and I'll catch up on this. Uh, off to bed now. Sandra, awesome. Cheers, Helen. Cheers, Liz. Perfect. Have a good rest of your evening and I'll see you soon. Great. Thanks, Michelle. Awesome, Sue. Debbie. See you later. See you, Alison. Bye-bye. See you, Kay.